Welcome to the Sencast Christmas Special. My name is Dale Pickles, I'm the host of the Sencast, the Managing Director of B-Squared, and I have previously been a Santa at my daughter's primary school Christmas fair. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Sencast. The main focus of the podcast is to increase knowledge of teachers in schools, but the podcast supports all professionals working with children or young people with SEND, and it also supports all parents and carers of all children. Now this week, my guest is Dr. Susie Nyman. Susie is a regular and a legend on this podcast. She teaches a range of students in a post-16 environment. She uses multi-sensory teaching strategies to cover complex topics to help her students learn. And this week, you are in for a treat as me and Susie have recorded not one, but two Christmas specials. This is part one, where we're discussing how to have a Christmas everyone enjoys. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. We are the assessment people. We help you show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. And if you're a primary school struggling to show progress, trying to identify where people isn't making progress, or you're a bit confused about the engagement model, we can help. Did you know you can use B-Squared assessment software for more than just pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time and money and simplifying the whole assessment process. Visit B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. Let's get on with the Christmas podcast. Welcome to the very first ever Christmas episode of the Sendcast. Now, this is part one of our Christmas episode where we're discussing how to have a Christmas everyone enjoys. My Christmas guest is the wonderful Dr. Susie Nyman. The legendary Dr. Susie Nyman is back in the studio with her sidekick, Percy Pig. Susie teaches a range of students in a post-16 environment using multi-sensory teaching strategies to cover complex topics to help her students achieve. And she brings a really great older student perspective to the podcast. We often focus on primary, which I love. Welcome back, Susie and Percy. Thank you very much. Percy is cracked open already. Would you like one? I'm going to start Dave? with an official Percy. She bought Percy, pig and friends. So I literally have, I have the sheep and the pigs. It's great. Excellent. Because I like the brown ones. They're rather tasty. I think they're Coca-Cola flavoured. With the Christmas podcast today, I've got my Christmas jumper on with a lovely bell on the front. And Dale is sitting here with his Christmas outfit on. It's totes amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. It's outrageous. And why not? It's absolutely brilliant. Well done, Dale. And with the magic of technology, we're actually recording this in early November. So I, I'm, I'm full on Christmas. I have a Christmas suit and tie on in blue and red, which is quite fun. Lots of strange looks this morning. But Susie, you went swimming this morning in November with your Christmas jumper on. I did. And the receptionist just looked at me and said, Susie, why are you wearing that? And I said, because I'm going to make my Christmas podcast with Dale this morning up at Blackwater. So before we get started, what do you love about Christmas? I love over the year searching to find the really perfect Christmas present for my family and friends. And then on Christmas Day, they crack it open and the joy in their eyes and their faces and they get really excited that you found a really nice fluffy woolly jumper that they really like, or you've made them some chocolates or, or, you know, anything, anything that's going to give them excitement, wonderment and surprise on that Christmas day. Not just that, but, you know, helping other people over the years, we used to go and sing carols in, in Epping hospital. 
And I used to play the church organ on Christmas Eve and Sometimes I play my trumpet as well at the oratory school. We used to play at midnight mass and I used to play all the carols. And then after that, we'd go for a marvellous feast down in the staff common room and you'd have sausage rolls and mince pies and you'd come back about two in the morning absolutely shattered. I thought you were going to say something else then, absolutely bladdered or something. <laughs> but it was, it was brilliant. <laughs> you know, it started your Christmas off and you would sing all those carols and, and sing as loud as you could and you get home. And that was the start of your Christmas. You know, it, it was brilliant. So I look forward to doing that again, you know, down in Farnborough, go and play my trumpet again in, in church and uh, at Christmas time and letting everybody enjoy that spirit, that Christmas spirit. And we're going to play the songs today on my trumpet to the carols, which is going to be exciting. And that's the thing, we all know Christmas is very commercial. And I think if I think of my Christmas, obviously you love it as a kid because you get all the presents. And I think as you get into the teenage years, you kind of fall out of love of Christmas because it's not the same, is it? And I think as you get older, you, you as you said, you it's the giving, the present and watching their reaction is the thing you look forward to. And that's one of the big things I look forward to. But for me, I really like this morning is Susie got into the office before me. She was extremely early. So as I walked in the office, she was already in one of the rooms practicing her Christmas carols on her trumpet. And there is something really nice about Christmas carols on a trumpet. And I'm sitting there going, oh, Christmas is coming. Yeah. I like this. And it is, it's, it's not hearing Mariah Carey. No. It was hearing the trumpet. that made, Yeah, it, it was literally going, oh, Christmas. Christmas is coming. But it lifts those carols it up. Does. When you play them with the organ, trumpet and organ, it really raises people's spirits in the church. And they, they come out and they go, thank you, Susie. That was really lovely tonight. And I say, oh, that's okay. And I've done it for so many years that I can do most of them out of my head. I don't need to look at the music, which is really nice. When I was at school, it was towards Christmas. And Sister Gabriel, she was old headmistress, she said, Miss Neumann, have you got your trumpet in today? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I haven't. She got one of the nuns to drive all the way back to my parents' house in, in Ongar in Essex, and, and my school was in Brentwood. And we rushed back to make sure that I could play the Christmas carols with the grand piano, you know, in the last assembly. And the, the teachers at school really loved it. They really loved it when I played the, the trumpet. Because I went to a girls' school, there weren't any other girls that played the trumpet. It was very uncommon in those days to have girls playing the trumpet. So this episode is about making Christmas enjoyable for everyone. Mm. So we all have our typical Christmas, but that's not actually how everyone's Christmas is. And also for others, it to make that Christmas happen takes a lot of effort in the build-up, doesn't it? It does. And, and send students might find that Christmas difficult and we want them to enjoy the magic and wonderment of Christmas. And you need to prepare for that, really. And it may seem like a lot of work, but putting the right preparation in place for Christmas can save a lot of time in the new year. And this is what Jane Stannard said. It, it may also be the difference between a child having a terrible time and a wonderful Christmas. So let's help all children get the holiday they deserve this year, particularly as we've been in the pandemic and we've all been locked in. It, you know, it's been tricky for families. I'm actually wearing a shirt I haven't worn for a couple of years and it's slightly the wrong size in the wrong way. But luckily the tie is hiding the bursting buttons. So yes, Christmas suit hasn't come out for a while and it's showing. <laughs> Don't worry, it looks 
Outrageously fantastic. Don't worry. It's brilliant, Dale. So I'm seeing a Christmas calendar on your on your slides. Yeah. So we want to give you some strategies to help those send students prepare for Christmas. And a Christmas calendar is really good. And you get a Percy Pig Christmas calendar, obviously. But last week, nipped into the meadows and bought a Percy Pig advent calendar, Dale. I thought, well, I'm going to give you that one for Christmas. Thank you, Susie. It's a pleasure. You could use it, show the whole of Christmas and mark on everything that's coming up. And I said to Dale this morning, you could even open the doors before and write on the inside what's going to come up, you know, on the 10th of December, the 12th of December, the 15th, Christmas Day. And then that child opens that door. Oh, we're going to see granny today or we're going to bake a cake today. So that's really good. You can see it coming on and you can open up, open it up and have a nice Percy pig as well. So what I liked about that is you don't have to open the doors. You see, a lot of because they're a cardboard box, there's generally yeah. a way you could probably slice apart the back open, unfold it. And on the back of each door, you can write today we're doing this, or it might be for the following day, depending on when you do your doors, if you do it in the morning or the evening. But again, it just helps them to look forward to it and what's coming up. And then you can fold it up and they wouldn't know that you've gone through that and they would open that door and there's that message saying, today we're doing this. Or I think we did used to do it in the evening at some point. Mm. We don't want them having chocolate in the morning when they were young. So they would do it in the evening. So it's a great way of going, tomorrow we're going and doing this. So it's a great, they know what's coming. I like that idea. Yeah, our headmistress at primary school used to use the same advent calendar every year and each child in the class would open a door. And my birthday's on the 10th, so she would always save it for the 10th. So I knew I'd always get my chocolate on the 10th. But every year she then used to glue up the edges and we used to open the same one every year. She used it for years and years and years. That's where I got that idea from. So I thought I was obviously I was obviously much older than you because when I was young, no Christmas calendars had chocolates. And it was oh, wow. just the one where you went... Here's a picture. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember those advent calendars? Yes. You get to open it and you go, what have you got today? Picture of a star. <laughs> <laughs> but my mum also, she wasn't it? We had one, was, you, know, you have the, like a thing you hang up with pockets in. Yes. So she used to have, and often she'd buy bits of Lego. So I'd get a Lego tree or a Lego wow. something each day. So rather than having just a picture, I did get something which oh, wasn't just good. chocolate. Oh, wow. That's a really good idea. That's brilliant. If you've got that calendar, you might use pictures to link the calendar to students' current interests, such as baking a Christmas cake. It could be you're going carol singing with the brownies. You might have that school play, so you know the exact date you're going to, the days you're going to rehearse it, you're going to perform it. You might have Christmas concerts. We spoke earlier, the school bazaar. Oh, school fair, yes. And and, and that... It gets so busy and those autistic children find it really difficult. You need a safe place to hide Yeah, when it gets so loud and noisy. And that, that's one thing. If you're a school and you're doing this, is if when you do your summer fairs, your Christmas fairs, is there a quiet room or quiet place that people can go to? And do you make people aware of it? Because we, we do the autism show. Yeah. And they have yeah, the quiet yeah. places there, which is really good. And it's really quiet anyway. They do really good to keep it quiet then. But still, people can get overloaded and they go, so it's saying, yeah, schools should have, if possible, it doesn't have to be manned. It is parents, but you can tell there's a quiet room there. Go be in there or just pop out that door. There's a little courtyard, whatever. But that is a really valuable thing to have for those students who need it. And it might even just be younger children who get parents. overloaded and the parents, parents get overloaded, <laughs> give their wallet a rest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. It is really noisy. It mm. is overloading. It's, yeah, it's... And what I haven't told Susie is many years ago when my daughters were young, they were short of a Santa. And I got asked to be Santa. And I was like, this isn't right. I'm in my 30s still. I'm still not anywhere mm. near being asked to be Santa. But I know I got asked to be Santa. There was no one else who I stood in and I was Santa. Mm. And you talked about how seeing Santa can be quite a traumatic experience. Yes. And hopefully I wasn't traumatic. I didn't have bad breath, I hope. And but and I did also, I did have a pillow down the trousers because oh, I wasn't quite the right shape. But I was Santa. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun because obviously my kids were still believing. Yes. Because they're in early primary at this mm-hmm. point. I think my daughter was in like reception or year one. My other was in year three. So they're still full on believers. And I'm going, well, I can't just be Santa for no reason. And I was traveling with work lots. So what we did is one of my trips the week before when I was going to a school, I made a big show of trying to find my passport. They're like, why do you need a passport? It's like, I'm going to Lapland. They're like, why are you going to Lapland? I went, I've got to be trained. I've got to be trained on how to do this properly. And they're like, what? I said, yeah, so I'm off. I'll see you in a couple of days when I'm back. And they're like, I came back. And yeah, I, was like, I took my coat with me and came back and it was how cold it was and just did that. And then the next week, I said, right, where do I put my passport? Why do you need your passport? I said, I've got to go tell Santa everything I've learned. Mm-hmm. And I kept it full on. But yeah, being Santa was so much fun. The school did it really well because they have year six children as elves. Mm. So some of the kids I knew for my daughter's years, but some of the kids I didn't know. And I said to the elves, if you know anything about the child and you see them coming, just shout it to me. Yeah. Just shout anything you know about them. And as the kid would come in, they'd literally be in awe. And even kids I knew would be in awe of, it's Santa. I was like, how are you? And they're like, I'm fine. It's like, how's, how's Jack, your brother? And then you just see their eyes go, oh my God, how do you know I've got a brother mm. called Jack? Or you say, are you looking after your new puppy? Or some, And just the face was in awe and it was so much fun. And then my daughter came in, my youngest, and she was in awe. Even though she knew I was <laughs> going to be Santa, she walked in and forgot and she just stared at me in this way she has never looked at me ever and there's never since in just pure awe and I had a really good conversation it's like oh have you got any pets she went yes that's two cats isn't it she's like oh, how do you know it's like because I'm your dad <laughs> <laughs> but she was and it was and that was the thing that was the magic of Christmas it's she saw what she wanted to see and it was just and I've got some photos and it I love those photos of her but yeah, Santa is amazing. There's a bit I'll come back to later when we touch on it in later, but it's it's not always great. No, it can be hard. Can be hard. Mm, yeah. But yeah, that was so much fun. I mean, you might have school trips as well at Christmas, so you've got to prepare for those. And the great nativity play. And that nativity play, you know, it could be at school or it could be in the church the night before, you know, on, on Christmas Eve. Or you, you have know. a Chris Dingle service. Mm, or... With a Chris Dingle as well. And, and it's not just Christmas. You might have Hanukkah, if you're Jewish, and various other festivals. So it's also fitting in with other religions, making sure that if there's other children in the class, to celebrate their festivals too. On your Christmas calendar, you might have changes to that normal school day routine, and it might be quite disruptive. An autistic child might find that quite difficult and, and to adjust to those on-demand type of activities that they're not used to doing or being prepared for. And so it's quite good on your advent calendar or on your Christmas calendar to let them know in advance what's going on so that they're not so anxious, yeah? 
And we've said before, um, finding that quiet place for them to go to. And that, that might take work for you as a parent, just mm. really going, if you haven't done, just tell me what's happened in the last two weeks of school. I need to know what's going to roughly happen each day. Are there rehearsals? Are there performances? Is it this going on? So that I can prepare this at home mm. so that when, he, when, they, when he or she comes in, they are more ready for what's going to happen. And if they're not enjoying it, yeah, be able to go to a quiet room that has been allowed and pre-decided. So when they are having enough, they know where to go. Yeah, once you've done that event, you know, it could be the Christmas concert. Cross it off on the calendar so that they know it's finished one occasion at a time. Some children need a visual timetable. And I know at the Henry Tyndale School, locally, they, they would use those. Autistic children find visual information easier to process. People, people with, you know, complex special needs would find that easier to process too. And check that timetable independently, you know, get the parents to check it. At my son's prep school, they had a little book that had the calendar in. And so you would be walking around, it was like your Bible. Oh, what's tomorrow? Tick it off. You know, what's next week? And you'd be, as a parent, you'd be backwards and forwards trying to find out. But I always used to ask the parents as well. And I always used to go up to the music teacher and I say, Mrs. Cox, when is the next school concert? When does he need his trumpet in again? Just so that I knew that we were in the right place at the right time. And you could have, for older children, have that information to their daily planners. Quite often children have a paper copy, don't they, of their daily planners of what they've got to do with their homework and that. But it is, as you said, if you're having a list of events and dates in, that's going to help them with the calendar knowing which day we're on and what's happening and crossing them off is kind of, especially if they don't enjoy them, knowing they're over halfway through these events can be, it helps going, look, you've done half of them. You've coped. It's it, yeah, it can help them prepare. And, and sometimes it is for them. You might think this is an enjoyable experience, but for them, it might literally is I have to get through this because it's expected of me mm. with zero enjoyment, but we need to help hopefully try and help them enjoy. And get those teachers to meet the parents, maybe in a group, for example, the musicians, and say, you need a musical instrument on this day. Have they learnt the Christmas carols? Do they know their lines for the nativity play? Have they got their costumes? They need a costume. You know, they, they need, they, they're going to be Mary or Joseph. And keep that communication going throughout the Christmas period. What we had were year reps. And that year rep would send out text messages and emails to the rest of the class as well so that you knew what was going on. You might have these home school books and, and leaflets and, and flyers would, would appear in their, in their little book bag. But obviously nowadays a lot of the information is on the school website, so you have to keep looking yeah. at that website all the time, checking you're in the right place at the right time, you've got the right equipment, etc. I've got here just through the school day, through the whole Christmas and come back to, again, that quiet place or safe zone, wherever that is, not just for the concerts, not just for the school bazaar or the school play, but have somewhere for those children to go to when they get a bit overwhelmed. Especially if they're in one of those year groups doing the rehearsals for the nativity. So that's not one one off thing. It's not like you just, we're doing nativity tomorrow and it's done. It's, it's lots of build up. And for some children if they're just in the choir or they're just in that part, sitting there for the rest of the time with all the noise going on is can be too much. So yet for various reasons, they might need to be able to go somewhere and it all needs to be prepared beforehand. Yeah, because those children can get 
so overstimulated and they're in that flight or fight mode and then they might just have a meltdown. Yeah. So to avoid them having a meltdown, they might have some toys they're familiar with in there that they can play with. And it doesn't have to be inside. It could be outside. It could be on a little bench. It could be in a park, you know, a safe little park that you can go and play in outside and run around and let off some steam. But you just need, it needs to be prepared beforehand so that if they do go out, a member of staff is aware and responsible and things like that, because you don't want to just run around. Someone would need to be there, but it is that would have to be prepared. So when the child leaves, you already have that plan in place. You know exactly mm-hmm. what's going to happen, not the child's running out, what do we do? Mm-hmm. It needs to be prepared beforehand because hopefully the child will then leave before they're getting to flight and they might recognize it beforehand hopefully and it won't be such a a big issue quite often they can they can let the teacher know can't they they might have a card different colored cards that they're going to use and i'm at number seven now or something you know and they i need to leave and they know they need to leave and they might have a a safe zone to go to if they have that they'll leave without getting but if they don't have that place they will get to fight or flight and then they'll struggle yeah as we're going through preparing for Christmas, we might use some pictures. Might look at pictures from last year. You might look at Dale in his Christmas suit. And so get that child again familiar with what's going to happen. You know, we need to explain, uh, you know, that social information. As you said earlier, you know, you're going to meet your grandparents and normally you meet your grandparents and there's just your grandparents there, but all of a sudden you meet your grandparents and there's 20 people around the dinner table. And, and the room is completely reorganised with a tree. Yeah. Big, the dining table is now in the living room because it's the only room big enough. Mm. <laughs> Extra chairs. Low, it is So I love that idea of having photos from last year. Because if, if you say to someone, we're going here, they have a visualisation of that. Eh? So if they're going to Granny mm. and Grandad's, it's like, right, so when we go to Granny and Grandad's, we get there about 10, we take the dog for a walk, we have lunch, we watch a film in the afternoon, then we come, whatever, whatever happens, they have a, that's what's going to happen. When they turn up, and that's not what happens. It could be really unsettling. Mm. So having those photos from previous year to go, look, we're going to Christmas. Remember, remember this? Mm. And also, even in that point, if they are overloaded, when, where can they disappear to? Mm. Where can they just disappear off to? When you're going, hang on, where's, you know where to go because hopefully that's where they've gone. And that could be just an understairs cupboard in a Harry Potter style way. <laughs> <laughs> they could just go sit there with a book, with their, whatever it is they've got. But it's a great way for them to go, I know I can go here, and if you've lost me, go look for me here. Yeah. So it's not you You will sit here. It's got to be an agreement. Would, would you like to, would you like this? No. Why? Because I don't like that window. It's looking, it's finding somewhere they're comfortable with as a discussion, agreeing on that. And then when you can't see them, hopefully they'll be where they've agreed to be. Yeah, which is really good. And you can find them. You might sort of create a social story so that you know what to expect. And that's what we were talking about. That social story could be about, you know, meeting the family or again, meeting Father Christmas. Because, you know, I know it must have been really exciting to meet you as Father Christmas, Dale. But I know as a child, when I met Father Christmas, I thought, this man's a stranger. I don't know who he is. You know, it's quite frightening, I think. I think everyone has photos of their children crying on Santa's lap. Or really? with that, everyone yeah. has that first few visits. We're going, what is this man? Who? Why am I putting on some stranger's lap, crying? 
as they get older, they get used to it. Mm. But you do get different qualities of Santa. Now, I was obviously royalty class of Santa. I was not. It's so funny, that suit. But you, are, you, you go somewhere, you go to a garden centre, and you literally could get blown away by the Santa because it's a 70-year-old man with a full-on beard. And you're literally going, wow. Then you go to somewhere else, and it's a teenager with a beard. And you're going, really? <laughs> really? That's not... The attitude's not right. But you, you have various... So yeah, so it, meeting Santa can be very... Also is, that's not real Santa. The last one, because mm. we've met four Santas this year, and they've all been different. Mm. So sometimes thinking, is meeting multiple Santas a good thing, or should we only meet one? Lots of things can enter. And the thing is, you have the conversation with your kids growing up. I don't like that Santa. Oh, that's not the right Santa. What do you mean the right Santa? The last one was the real Santa. That's when you can find which, which one of the Santas you mm. saw was the real one. With the great big long white beard oh, and the big belly. Yes, yes. We did many years ago. We went to Centre Parks on the build-up to Christmas. Mm. And it was a year we were really lucky it was snowed. We were in the Longleat one, which is in a pine oh, forest. Beautiful. So it was snow-covered. And when you go see Santa, it's in a wooden cabin in the forest with real reindeer in the mm. in this little uh, wow. lock-up. And you walk in and you meet an old person being Santa wow. with a full-on beard. Brilliant. And you're literally in a room full of... T- it was probably one of my favourite visits to see Santa. And the kids still remember that one. Because it was like we were in Lapland. It was amazing. My parents went to Lapland and saw Santa. I went. I did as well. I'll see my training. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm going to go and talk now about the Christmas play because I know that, you know, Christmas plays can be tricky. And so, you know, there's this sort of auditioning process possibly for the parts, offer a restrictive choice of of what that student could do. Don't give them too many choices. Too much freedom can be stressful. And if that child really doesn't want to be in the play, you could give them a supporting role such as, I don't know, making costumes or helping with the lights or with the scene changes, or painting some of the scenery in the background, so that they feel they're part of it. And in some schools, if you have a Susie, you obviously have a trumpet and a piano ready. Uh, but if yeah. you don't have a Susie, you might have to rely on music on a CD. Yeah. So you can have a child, if slightly older, who can be doing the music, so they can be getting that ready, and they can yeah, look for cute. Good. And that gives them a responsibility, which can distract them from everything else that's going on. Mm. And they can go and do that up in the gods, you know, wherever, yeah. in, in the sound room, if you've got one, if you've got a posh But they're generally off to the off side. Off to the side, in the wings in the dark, or whatever. Where it's, they can be not noticed and not centre of attention. Mm. And as we're practising that Christmas play, we're going to have the rehearsals, And I remember practising on my son's first Christmas play, rehearsing his words at home. And if you've got a lot of words to say, you might have to rehearse that a bit more with the teacher on your own. And some autistic children really love performing. They're really good at remembering words. They, They might be brilliant at it, but working in that group with the other children could be challenging. So it's those social stories, mixing it together, letting them know what's going to happen and get them to visualise and verbalise their performance, stand on the stage and act it out and and visualise how it's going to be on the night. And again, I've said that before, find somewhere for them to sit quietly while the other scenes are being rehearsed is a good idea. Yeah, so I remember it was my son's first play, Christmas play, and he had about four words to say. And he practised them. He practised them at home. He knew what the words were. And the teacher said, OK, day of the play, 
your son's ready to go. I said, yeah, you'll be fine. And he sat on the stage and it was his turn. And he just sat there and he sat there and he grinned and he still didn't say anything. And he kept grinning and I'm thinking, please speak. And then all of a sudden this little voice said, Father Christmas said all the little elves and went on like that. And the whole room just clapped. You know, he only said about four words and it was, it was the anticipation of what he was going to say and would he actually say it? And he did it and everybody was so pleased and they gave a clap, but it was great. Yeah. That, that they rehearsed it and he could do it on the day. I always love when you have those things at church or Christmas, we have the different kids and you know the personality. Oh yeah. yeah. And some of them you're going, okay, here we go. Yeah, the drama queen already, whatever. And you know it, they're really going for it. But then you have the children, you don't know how they're going to go. That was him. Because they could be quite quiet and they could be doing the... And you're literally going, no idea what's been said. Or you have the one where they just walk up and go, Father Christmas, because there's someone told them to make sure you're loud so everyone can hear you. So they're shouting it out. But I always like... Watch because some children you know exactly what to expect. Yeah. You're going to get exactly what yeah. you expect. But the ones you don't know, I really sometimes really enjoy. Other times I was literally I was like, oh poor thing. Mm. But they're the ones you generally, and they're the ones who finally get the squeak out, gets the applause. Or but it is, it is, it's just it's lovely. It is. It's really heartwarming watching the Christmas plays and the nativity plays and things. It is. Yeah. It's also good to. Involve those children in activities such as putting the Christmas decorations up on the tree, allowing that student to be involved, you know, changing the appearance of the school at Christmas time. It could be you're making paper chains or something like that. If you get them involved, they're going to be, they're going to find it easier to cope with. And so it's good to get those children involved, dress up the classroom, dress up the corridors, do the Christmas tree, get dressed up anyway, you know, get dressed up as an elf. Yes. And in your case, Father Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Father Christmas on a night house. <laughs> yes. But preparing for Christmas, you also need your normal routines. You know, it could be that you've got lessons in the morning and then you're doing Christmas activities in the afternoon. Some schools find that keeping one or two routines going and restricting the activities in the afternoon is, is better for the children because they know what's going to happen in the morning and they'll be settled. And you might, you might have a child who goes into maths who wants to do maths. No, we're going to watch a film, but I want to do maths. Well, have something ready in case. Even if it's just some worksheets on the topic you've been doing, if they've come to do maths and they need to do maths, they need to do maths. No matter what, how good the film is, no matter if they've, that's what they've come for, that's what they're expecting. And the same, I, my nephew would go in and go, it's English, I want to read. And I think he got told off for reading because the film was on. Mm. It was like, if he's happy and he's reading in English, let him read. It's, 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 it's not about whether or not he wants to watch the film. His, the routine is, at this time, on this day, I do English. Mm. So some really need that routine. And it's hard to break. It is. I- Even with all the prep work in the world. Mm-hmm. It still could be hard to break. We had a visiting speaker once at college and we had a boy with um, autism in the class. And Thursday afternoon was a, was a certain lesson and we would he would be doing his typing for his coursework there. 
and these two paramedics came in and he came in with his earphones, with blue flashing earphones that looked like police car lights, you know, and he sat there and he got his keyboard and these people were talking and he sat there, bish, bash, bosh on his, on his keyboard and he said, Thursday afternoon is coursework afternoon, so I'm going to type up my coursework. And I said to the visitors, don't worry. And they said, it's okay. And I wasn't sure what to do. I just left, left him to it. And he, he did his yeah. typing and he was fine. And that's what you're saying. If they normally do that and it breaks their routine, they do find it difficult. And there's no point of trying to force them to, no, you will enjoy this film, whether you like it or not. It, it, that's not, it is, it's for some children... That's not the right thing. For me personally, sitting in a classroom watching a film is the most boring thing I could possibly do, even compared to some of the lessons. So for me as a child, I, I hated it. I would literally daydream. Mm-hmm. It didn't, especially, either I knew the film and I was interested and I, I watched it 20 times, I'm bored of it. But it was just, I needed something else to occupy me. So mm-hmm. I would do, I would probably play up a bit more than I probably should have. Um <laughs> Yeah, so for some children, giving them something to occupy them. So here's a Christmas film. And if you want to do a Christmas word search or a Christmas, here's that as well. Mm. I'd probably do both at the same time. Mm. A variety of activities. Just to occupy my mind. Mm. That's a good idea. My last bit, I think, here, the last two are pantomime outings and the Christmas party. Okay. So pantomime outings, you can actually book before if you go through the accessibility tab on the website for the particular theatre you're going to. And and so that's really useful because you can show the students pictures of actors and the set in advance. And if you are using accessibility, a carer can quite often go free or half price. You have to find out from from the individual theatre about that. You could also have special shows for autistic students, so it's easier to watch a more relaxed performance with, you know, with autism, with sensory communication difficulties or a learning disability. I know at the Theatre Oxford, there's wheelchair bays at the rear of the stalls and, and, and so they can sit there, there's plenty of room and then they've got computer screens where they can actually see the performance on the computer screens as well. So they've got close-up view of, of the show too. It's, it's really amazing how well theatres have done accessibility mm. over the last couple of years. I, I didn't realise, because you don't realise till you need it. But they do, like we say on transitions, having a visual tour, so they know what to expect, having lots of photos yeah. and videos. Yeah. And they do all of that, which is really good. And some of them do, I think Sarah Jane, it's like a soundboard, so it'll tell you when it's going to get loud. Mm. So they're prepared and things like that. There's lots. It's really amazing the effort they go to to try and make the theatres and all the shows accessible to all. Yeah, I think for yeah for visually impaired children, they'll sit closer to the front in the stalls and you can actually book something called a touch tour and an audio-described performance. And that's, you can see, at the Wizard of Oz in Winchester. Take a pair of binoculars and for the hearing impaired students, book a performance which has amplification as well as headsets and neck loops, maybe a captioned performance with electronic displays either side of the stage, or you might have a signed performance where you've got someone using a British Sign Language, such as the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton, where 
We've got some great actors down there at the moment. Jason Donovan. <laughs> you can never have enough of Jason Donovan on the stage. He's a great performer. Is he? Yeah, well, I did see him in the Rocky Horror Show many years ago, but that's another story. Yeah, he is a really good actor. So, yeah, plenty of good actors out there doing pantomimes you can take the children to and find the right performance for that child with send. And one thing I would say about pantomimes is not all children enjoy pantomimes. No. My daughter hates them. She literally, you'll enjoy it. No, I won't. You'll enjoy it. No, I won't. She doesn't get any of the humour. Why is there a man dressed as a woman? Why is the woman, why is, why is, that's a man and that, what, why? Why is why? Robin Hood always a woman? Yes, there why Robin go. Hood? And then why does a bloke come in with balloons up his top? <laughs> and we all fight, it's a British thing you grow up with and you learn yes. to appreciate. But my daughter's going, no, just no. Doesn't make any sense. And we, we tried, Mr. Minnie, we went to the Hexagon Theatre in Reading. Yeah, yeah. And we saw Mr. Tumble. Yeah. So he was there and he did a whole bit in the middle and he goes, this is brilliant. Hated it. We did, we did the local one at the South Hill Theatre in Bracknell, That's right, yeah. which is a much more amateur, but mm-hmm. much more, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, mm. wasn't amateur, it, I, I found it very professional. Mm-hmm. It was really good, but I hated that. And we tried different ones, thinking different stories. We've given up. We've given up. And this year, me and my wife will go on our own. Well, why not? Enjoy it. And that's the thing is just because you enjoy it doesn't mean they will. I remember seeing my first ballet and uh, I apparently just before the uh, interval, I said to my dad, when are they going to start talking? <laughs> he hadn't explained what ballet was. So all this dancing, I'm going, great. When are they going to start a story? When are I going to actually find out what's going on? And he looked at me as if I was bonkers but hadn't explained that ballet is being is a story told through the dance. So I hadn't even noticed a story. It's, I go, this is great dancing. Didn't twig at my young age that they were telling me a story. So, yeah, working out what performances. And I took my, my autistic daughter to the theatre, to a ballet up in Covent Garden. Mm. Really good. So which one was it? Swan Lake. So this is really good, isn't it? Mm. We were both bored. <laughs> And my son would just say, Mum, why are they wearing upskirts? <laughs> That's what we used to call them. But I know the music, so I yes. love the music. The ballet, I really didn't care about. And the bits when we were going, he jumped across the stage, why is everyone clapping? I could do that. It would not be anywhere near as graceful, but no. technically it is his job. Yeah. And when I do something on my computer, no one gives me a round of applause. <laughs> so that's a bit over the top. But I'm literally going, but I loved watching, because you had the open pit with the orchestra. So I loved the music. My daughter didn't have that appreciation. So for her, that was a whole wasted evening. And luckily it was with the school and all cheap and everything. So it was great. But yeah, so sometimes when you're thinking of these performances, are you going for you or are you going for the children? Mm. And just think about that. That's the only thing I would say is, and if you go somewhere, and my other daughter, I don't know how she got this, we went to see the musical Cats when it was back in London. Wow. Because I saw it as a child and I loved it. Mm. And it came back and it was expensive, but we mm. went and did it. And my, well, my autistic daughter, she actually, my ADHD daughter, I was like, what's wrong? She went, where were the cats? <laughs> we saw it in and Oxford. Went, what? She went, where were the cats? I went, what do you mean? She went, it's called cats. I went, yeah, there were cats. Went, <laughs> I was expecting real cats. What, dancing? She went, Yes. <laughs> 
So she was really just creepy. completely disappointed. Yeah. Because her expect and I hadn't prepped her. So I made the same mistake my dad did of going, surely she'd know the musical cats is just people dressed as cats. No, I hadn't prepped her that there wouldn't be any dancing cats. I found them really creepy because they came out of the audience in Oxford yes. when we saw it and thinking, oh, what are they going to do, you know? So, yeah. That's strange. So, again, sometimes, you know, it might be really obvious to you yeah. <laughs> that they're not going to be singing in Dancing Cats on the stage. Or you have to be pretty close up to see them. And there might be someone out on litter duty and think, it, yeah, no. It, yeah, so sometimes... Work out why are we doing this? Is it for the right reasons? And are they fully prepared for what's coming? Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing going to see the Lion King and being up in the gods. Where's the lion? Here's the lion. Well, he's just a man with a headdress on. <laughs> and you're going, yes. Do you want a real lion? Yes. 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 I've seen the Wizard of Oz. Where's the real lion? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. So it's that expectations. And my daughter would just now hates the musical. She's just, because it's not cats. Whereas if I did that prep work, she could have enjoyed it. But I just didn't realise the literalness of some of these titles or the expectations they mm. have. So, Dale, we're on our last bit now, Home and Dry, the Christmas party, which we've touched on quite often. Are we talking about the staff Christmas party or the children's the Christmas party? The children's pa okay. Christmas party Just checking. now, yeah. So that's a different conversation, <laughs> the staff Christmas party, I think. So for the children, ensure that the food that the students will like or they're familiar with, and you're looking at their food tolerances, you know, if they're lactose intolerant or gluten-free or whatever, can they eat that food, you know? Are they going to enjoy it? Or do they, that child who has to have that's their lunch on Thursdays. Yes, and that child has that lunch on Thursdays and it's only white things. And however nice your sausages are, and they might love sausages, but they love them on Tuesdays and Fridays, <laughs> not right. on a Thursday. So just however good you might think it is, you've got to have that allowance. And it's, again, a conversation with the parents is key here, I think. It's extra work, but it means everyone can enjoy that party. Mm. So have some quiet games for those autistic students because they might be sensitive to noise. And, you know, you've got the loud bangs from the Christmas crackers. They might find that really difficult. They might not understand the joke. And also helping that child who's visually impaired, you might use a scanning pen to read that joke or someone else might, you know, do it for them. You might like to play musical freeze with songs that they're familiar with or Christmas carols or Christmas songs. So they can dance up and down and stop once the music stops and get games for various different types of physical disabilities. You might use Pictionary, compass points for wheelchair users, making a simple obstacle course and blindfold the able-bodied members in wheelchairs through the obstacle course. Blowing giant bubbles. There's nothing better than blowing bubbles. Children, all children love bubbles. <laughs> I love That's this because you never know where she's going to go. And blowing giant bubbles wasn't going to, wasn't in the list yeah. in my head. I had a bubble machine I used to get out when my son had um, birthday parties. And they could spend hours just oh. with these bubbles. They're great. Or singing Christmas songs. Frosty, there's no man. La, 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 la. Whatever they, you better watch out, you better not cry. Anything, whatever they want to sing, you know, let them sing Christmas songs. They love it, letting off steam. 
I always liked it because I remember as a child, pass pass was always disappointed because there's only one prize in the bottom. Mm. But I think these days, which I think is really good, there's always a prize in every layer. Yeah. And what you can do again with your different children in mind is you can pre-plan the order. Yeah. So you can put on the fifth layer for that child who doesn't like sweets but can have that. You put that in the fifth layer, then you make sure that it stops on them the fifth time. Yeah, sensory toy or something. Yeah, like so you can just again, it's, it's it's all preparation planning, but it does mean that that child will enjoy that party the same as everyone else, and they'll be so excited. Yes, to get that toy, won't they? Yes, and it makes such a difference because especially if you have this thing where they go to so many parties and they get given the sweets but they can't eat them and it's always disappointing and the mum has to do. But actually when someone puts that effort in and they don't get the sweets but they get the sensory toy or mm. they get that, instead it's just that effort that they actually, this is mine, this was for me and how lucky it fell on me. <laughs> they never twig as children, they never twig, it was all planned. Yes. Um, they never do. But it is because you sit there. I remember being the parent going and being in charge of it going, okay, which kids haven't had a suite yet mm. and having to stop the music on them. Mm. But yeah, it's yeah, it's so much fun. But you can have so much fun with those Christmas parties. And it's magical. Christmas is a magical time for children, isn't it? Yes. It's important for them to enjoy it and have fun with their friends and family. Definitely. Definitely. So in surviving Christmas, which we prefer, but this is about the enjoyment. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this part one of the episode up? No, I think that's all. Thank you, Dale. I think we've done a good job. We've been through quite a few points and hopefully we can help the listeners with their Christmas preparations. And I think we've, we discussed a lot of this being the focus of school and also yeah. you, we've touched on services and churches, but mm. everything you can do, you can apply to all your family events as well. Mm. And especially like with the Christmas meal, it's not important to have turkey. It's not important to have Brussels sprouts. It's not important to have pigs and blankets. To you, it might be, but the important part is eating together and being happy together. Sharing. So if somebody, so my nephew, eats either pasta with pesto sauce or a certain brand of chicken nuggets in breadcrumbs and chips, mm-hmm. what's wrong with him eating that? Well, I'm having my Christmas dinner, which I'm enjoying. He should have something he enjoys. Mm-hmm. And that way... It will feel more like we're in, it will feel, it, it will feel better because we're all enjoying it together, rather than trying to force food they may not want or enjoy because this is what we do at Christmas and everyone must have a Brussels sprout. I think I've got about thirty something years with avoiding Brussels sprouts. Oh, well done! Yes, my mum used to try and force me. No one else ever will. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Susie, for putting in lots of effort with the Christmas stuff early in November, even though this is going out just before Christmas. As usual, you'll find Susie's contact details in the show notes, and I'll try and put some of the links to the performances Susie's mentioned because she's got a lovely PowerPoint she always comes with. I'll put those in the show notes as well. So if if not this year, but next year, you can find those performances. When you find the show notes on our website or wherever you listen to the Sendcast. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for The Sendcast and you'll find us. And as usual, even though it's Christmas, I'm going to still talk about showing progress because it is really important. So if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, you're really struggling to show progress, or you want to see what's available, have a look at the B-Squared website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through what we do. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small sets of progress for pupils SEND. 
If you're a school in England still confused by the engagement model, not sure about pre-key stage standards or anything else around assessment, please get in contact. You can find out about our training conferences, courses, our conferences. You can read our blog. You can watch our webinars. It is all on the B-Squared website. You'll find a link to the website to book a meeting with me and my email address in the show notes. So please go find those. So thank you for listening. We'll be back very shortly for listening to part two with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me and Percy Pig. With a nice little bit of... Goodbye. Goodbye.